it is 5.30 a.m. in New York, 12.30 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 5.30 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Shenander Bean from sundaybean.com. I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations. And I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. Martin Buber is an Austrian Jewish and Israeli philosopher. He says, our relationships live in the space between us, which is sacred. Mr. Buber, I would like to ask you what we're going to do when we don't have any space and how we keep relationships alive during lockdown. This is part two of a two-part episode, Love on Lockdown. In part one, episode 174 with Christine Geber-Root, we looked at the four-pillar approach that she recommends after over 20 years of a long-distance relationship to make it work despite the distance. If you haven't heard that, her answers might surprise you. And for extra credit, you can go to her first episode, episode 161, where she gives advice on long-distance survival guide. This week is part two. We're looking at lockdown, when we're locked down together, and how that can impact your closest relationships. And today I am joined by someone who can help us understand what to look out for and what to do to avoid the train wreck. By the time we're done today, my hope is that you've got some practical strategies in your hands on how to make the most of it. So it is absolutely my pleasure to welcome Renata Andrade, who is originally from Brazil. She says she's one third Italian by blood and forever a Londoner by heart. Welcome to Expat Happy Hour, Renata. Thank you. So good to be here. So let me tell you a little bit about Renata for those of you who aren't familiar with her. She draws on over 15 years of professional experience and her academic background and today is practicing as a global life coach. Before that, she was a psychotherapist and had a private practice. She also holds a Master of Science in Psychotherapy from Middlesex University has a clinical psychology degree and so many other qualifications, I can barely find time to name <laughs> them. So Renata, we're so excited to have you here. Probably the most interesting qualification you have to talk about this is that you are personally going into, at the time of this recording, your 12th week of lockdown. Yes. <laughs> Isn't it? And, oh my and God. You're still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. So thank you so much. I can't think of a better person to help us understand how do we do love on lockdown when there's no space? Yeah, exactly. Right? I was I was laughing with myself with your introduction because that's it. Like can, what do we do now? Right? We can't create that space. But there are lots right? of things, yeah. Well, and the thing is, is like, I say this all the time, but I'm going to keep saying it. Life in general is already challenging enough, right? Like, how do you do, let's say, middle age? How do you do relationship? How do you parent your kids? How do you stay healthy, right? All of that is already a challenge. And then we're as expats, right? We have the Olympic level challenge of doing all that in different cultures. Yeah. And now 
we're like in this pressure cooker <laughs> and right. And our home, like, you know, we were talking with Andrea Pook inside Experts on Purpose about how do we change our home feeling instead of a trap, have it feel like a safe haven. But a yeah. lot of people are feeling trapped right now. Exactly. Yeah. And, and as you say that, I'm, I'm thinking about some statistics here that as a therapist, um, what we see in the consulting room is like 40% of the topics are marital problems anyway. So... <laughs> It, it's interesting, like right now with the, as you say, the pressure cooker on, mm-hmm. on, on, on us, like how much more or how, how much more on our faces that our marital problems may be, right? Right. <sighs> Seriously. So, uh, and I mean, if I look at what I've seen with my clients and even in my, you know, with some of my friends, it's like people are going on, I don't know, 15 years of marriage, 20 years of marriage, which is also a time I think that people look at their long-term, right? Like I can imagine, I don't know what the statistics are, but I can imagine those are topics that get really important when people have been together for a long time. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, And and it's interesting because the, the, the main fight doesn't change very much over time. It's like kind of transforms a bit, but it's like, um, it kind of continues to be a a major theme of fight Mm -hmm. as we grow together. And as we grow in the marriage and in, in a relationship longer term. Right. So what, what people are feeling, the pressure they're feeling is actually not new. Do you think, I mean, this is what I've heard people talk about. I'm curious from, from a psychology perspective that when we're under this kind of pressure, we just become more of what we already are. Yes. Right. But but we become more of what we already are, but I think, um, we become more defensive as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So we kind Mm -hmm. of go back to our kind of primitive, a sense of survivor if they were more under pressure and especially right now because because what we're dealing with is fear very basic Mm -hmm. fear of survival and and all the like this is a disease and stuff like that it's like surrounding us Mm -hmm. Um, and uncertainty about the future right Mm -hmm. and another one is the no escape right because the the fight and flight Mm -hmm. reaction we don't have the flight one (laughs) very much right now available right right oh wow right yeah so it's really like our primitive uh uh, defenses get more uh there's easily flared up so i think (laughs) i never thought about that like fight fright fight flight or freeze we can't even run exactly and freezing, I mean, that's not going to get you very far. So fight kind of feels like the one tool we've got in our hands. Yeah. The free, I think the freezing in this, in this situation is a bit like the, the alienating and distancing other people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which, which doesn't help very much as well, but happens as well as, the, as much as the fighting, the kind of uh, withdrawal, completely withdrawal, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So what I'm hearing is because we are in this level of global uncertainty and it literally triggers our survival instinct when it's around sickness, maybe even, you know, making sure you have access to food. I have clients all over the world, so they can't just walk down the street and grab something at the grocery store. There, there are real fears around what if the food supply, um, gets sabotaged, right. Depending on where they are on the planet. Yeah. 
um, than the actual fear of disease. So we are bi- biophysically under sort of a survival instinct. Um, and what I'm hearing from you is our natural defenses, not some of those aren't possible now. So it's going to enhance the, the fight mode. Yeah. And, and we're also like kind of selectively listening right now, right? Mm-hmm. We're kind of hearing loud, louder the, mm-hmm. the things that are dangerous, what that kind of also provokes you and triggers your, your survival instincts. So um, there's that in the relationship as well, right? We're listening right. selectively. Oof. So, okay. <laughs> um, I have, so what's popping up for me is, I mean, I want to know a lot of things. I want to know what are some of the red flags that things are going in a bad way, right? And I'm, I'm also curious about the, some of the strategies and how we can correct course. I've got some ideas from a coaching perspective, but I would love to hear from your perspective. Let's, let's step back here and think, okay, if you're, if you're sheltered down with someone and you don't literally have that space anymore, what are some red flags, things that you're kind of to see coming are not going in a good direction? Yeah, of course. So, um, I think, I think the, there, there are five in my mind that are most, uh, relevant right now. Um, one is, of course, very obvious violence, shaming, coercion, threats, and and uh, stuff like that. We know for a fact that domestic violence is ra- like raising up right now, and yeah. and all of that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a more obvious one that is not a red flag, but it's like a, you need to get help. Um, mm-hmm. um, as if you're having a heart attack at home, you would mm-hmm. get help now. So you would get help if that's kind. That's the kind of thing that's happening, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but in a, in a kind of a lower level of that, if that starts to become a bit in the air, right, the, the, some in unsafety or some shaming, some kind of, uh, bullying, something like that, I think is a red flag to pay attention to what's happening in the relationship anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, um, what do you, what can you do if you start to notice those things elevate? Um, well, it always depends on the level of elevation, right? If it's too much, Mm -hmm. you need to, you need to get a distance, like physical distance, because it can get more serious than anything else. Mm -hmm. And I know like, right, we're in, we're in lockdown, but there are emergency, um, Mm -hmm. escapes, uh, in, in any, uh, I think in any country right now, there is a, there are ways of, if you really need to leave. Um, but if you need to just distance, create, create some distance and, and agree with your partner uh, to have a little bit of distance or postpone loaded topics. Like if you have, mm-hmm. you know, there are things that, you know, you always fight about those things that are really difficult to talk about. Just postpone them, put a date in the future. I don't know when, and, and, um, or have a code word that you can mm-hmm. use. Like, I don't know, pineapple or something that usually mm-hmm. I, I say to people, like use a funny word so that it's kind of breaks a, l- a little bit of the ice of, of the Mm -hmm. situation. Um, and, um, but, but have something that will kind of create some space and some distance and agreed distance, um, to be able to breathe and lower the defenses. And then you can talk about it when things are not so high flamed. Mm -hmm. So when, when I think about, um, I mean, the way I can come into this conversation from from my work with couples who are in transitions, right, with and usually stress is elevated. I think some of the same strategies apply to now where I talk about 
um, exercising extreme permission where you can say, this is not for the highly elevated cases. This is more for like when yeah. you kind of think things are disruptive where you say, hey, we've never been in a global pandemic before, right? We've never been locked down like this before. So can we just give ourselves permission to screw it up for the first time and then figure out how to do it better? Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think you're touching on something that is really important that us as ex expat uh, couples, we've been under pressure and kind of I kind of isolation from time mm -hmm. to time when we move and then we don't know anybody else and you're kind of very intense in that relationship because you know you can't count on anyone else so we have to remember those muscles in a way mm -hmm. you know you we've mm -hmm. been we've been training some of that yeah totally so in like with my coaching um training with solution oriented coaching we talk about looking at the resources that you've used to overcome cha similar challenges yeah. in the past, right? So, oh, wait a minute, we made timeouts or we, like you said, we postponed tough conversations and then we sat down with a glass of tea and talked them through after we went running because then we were calm, right? Whatever the things that you did in the past that worked could give you more success now. What yeah. about for like the, we talked about some pretty extreme situations. What about just for the more subtle things, right? Like some of those extreme things like shame or violence, those are, those capture your attention and, and there's a sense of urgency, but there is a danger in the subtle things that don't capture your attention that over time have a compounded impact that you don't see until it's been happening for weeks or months, right? Yeah. Like, um, for example, the, the couple that used to cuddle um, every evening or every morning before they got up for coffee now just lays side by side, right? That's like one of those tiny yeah. subtle things that happens over time. What do you think about that? What are some of those signs that people should watch out for? Um. I think I think uh, it's um is a complicated time isn't it because we have to give ourselves permission to be a bit different because we're mm -hmm. living in a different situation and under different pressure um so um not be too hard on yourselves to do exactly and, and be exactly how you used to be um mm. and at the same time um notice what what are the things that you you miss and you you need that you're not getting, mm -hmm. or, or you may be getting just distracted by, I don't know, a lot of internet and Netflix, and which is, is great, but also uh, can distract you from paying attention to each other, mm -hmm. right? And to, mm -hmm. to what we like. Uh, if, you, if, if there's a time passing and you're not really talking to each other too much or not, not really interacting um, in the way you used to for a long time and you miss something, you notice that I think it's time to talk and to come together and say, well, listen, we haven't been doing this in a while and I used to love it or something like that, or, mm -hmm. you know, bring it back. Um, right. Yeah. I love that reminder that you just gave us about permission to be different, right? Mm. I, that is such an important reminder. Like, for example, your partner, you know, one of the things I've learned abroad is, um, I grew up in a very stable environment and then I moved to Switzerland, which was very stable and security oriented. And then we went to Burkina Faso and we had, you know, three 
kind of crisis situations that were going on politically, I'd never been in that level of uncertainty before. So I had no tools at my disposal, right? I had to figure that out as I went along, right? And then your partner, for example, might come from a country where political uprisings are, you know, part and parcel to growing up, right? And, And you might be from an area that it's non-existent. So your partner has access to tools that you don't have access to. So there's like this permission to say it's throwing you off and that's okay. Yeah. So that's, it's smart. I I think I like that idea of letting people, um, giving them space to, to process this level of uncertainty if they don't have access to a ton of tools at the disposal at the same time. If it goes on too long, speaking up to say, "Hey, I really miss this." Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I think we need that flexibility now. Um, and as to say that, I'm thinking like in, more on a personal level. We also have different, not just countries, different, different coming from different countries, but also coming from different families, right? Mm-hmm. Where we are, we're used to different levels of of. Um, like conflict and dealing with conflict. Like in my family, we don't do conflict. So mm-hmm. it's very, very hard for me when we get into a fight or uh, to disagree and become more inflamed about it. It feels shameful. It feels many other things. So it's very hard. And my husband comes from a different family, which is more used to being open about what they disagree with. Mm-hmm. And, and even that, in a, you know, looking back to your, what you have as a resource and as an example of those things, like fighting and being in a, in a kind of a pressure cooker situation right now, you're going to react differently and it's going to mean something different for each of you, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to process, right? Yeah. When I think about it, it's, um, I mean, there's so many layers. There's the yeah. whole global thing, right? And then how is it going to impact my quality of life, my global life, how does it impact me professionally? How does it impact my kids? And then those are like four, five, six layers in. Yeah. And the person next to you is the one you should be most certain of, right? The most stable. And all of a sudden when it gets in that seventh layer in, it starts destabilizing the couple that can feel really, um, really ungrounding. Yes. So what else do you think is going on? I mean, I know that you're seeing clients. You actually um, currently are focused on helping people make a career pivot or put their careers in the foreground, uh, especially during this pandemic, not putting their careers on pause. Um, Are you noticing that the relationship aspect is bleeding into your career-related Oh my God! Uh, yes. Yeah. What are you yeah. hearing from people? What are some themes? Yeah. So I have I have clients who are um, um, quarantining apart. So there's lots of of that. Um, and but there's also the 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 readjustment to a different situation, and it's really um, it became more uh, personal than professional for now. Mm-hmm. I think, and then it slowly is getting back into having more space in their minds to to think about profession, but, but definitely with the personal pressure and and what I'm seeing in those specifically, I work with a lot of people who have kids and and families involved in all of this lockdown, not just the partner. And, um, in relation to the, 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 the couple's relationship has been like, there's not a lot of space for the couple, right? Cause we're all mm-hmm. like locked down with the kids and with all of the homeschooling and everything that's happening around it. But what's happening is that 
people are sometimes involving their kids in the fights as well, right? Not not mm. not in the fights exactly, but in the the kind of the mix of the frustration with the partner, which I think is mm-hmm. a, another red flag. Um, mm-hmm. Notice if you know if other if there are third parties involved, um, right? Right, because then you're not gonna work through with your partner. You're gonna be kind of making this complete system of you know, to, to kind of justify what, what your side of the fight. Right. Right. And then you're also impacting your kids experience as they're navigating and processing their own way. So I guess what I'm hearing is for those of you who are feeling the pressure of lockdown and you're right now in the lens that you're looking at it is through your relationship to be really careful about how that's bleeding into at your kids and their experience. Yeah. And, and it's not about like, I, I don't think it's about completely um, shed, like protecting them from any, from knowing that any kind of conflict is happening. Uh, but you, you can talk about it. You can say like, well, we're disagreeing about something here. You can't explain to them, right? They, mm-hmm. they have to know mm-hmm. that also uh, disagreeing is okay but not involve them as a part of or or, or to take parts, right? Right, right. And you know what? We we know that, right? Yeah, but it's easy to get into that, right? Right. It's like there's so much. I always tell people it's not the knowing that's a problem. It's the doing. Um, you know, I'm like, otherwise the, all of America would have a six pack and, uh, <laughs> never yell their kids. Like we, we have enough knowledge. It's about living it. And I love that you just named that because there might be someone who knows better, but isn't doing better. And, and I say that with empathy because when we're under pressure, it's so easy to lose sight of the dynamics that are going on. Yeah. No. And now I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. The other day we were, um, discussing about me and my husband he's he's bothered about the mess in the house and because he doesn't have to deal with the mess in the house normally so mm-hmm. now he's like oh my god what is going on it's messy <laughs> and, and I'm listening to it like a criticism of my management mm-hmm. of the house or something like that and it's just like mm-hmm. this is kind of getting inflated and um and we have a puppy and the puppy was like messing something around and and it was like oh my god what's going on and then my husband lost it in terms of the mess and we he was super upset and then I got upset and it was interesting to see I have a 14 year old daughter and she came and she was like she looked at me and she saw that I was super upset and I closed down when I'm upset and then she looked at me Mm -hmm. and said mom he's also really uh having a hard time right now and I was like god (laughs) it just completely kind of Yes. Oh my God. I have tears in my eyes and my arm hair is standing up. Our kids are so smart. Right. And she was like, mom, you're right, but he's also under pressure. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting how it wasn't a situation where I was like kind of putting her on one side or another, but it, but I think Mm -hmm. she was feeling pulled. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. To mediate that. Right. Yeah. So that goes back to one of the strategies that I always recommend. You know, we talk about extreme permission, like we've never done this before. So if we mess it up, let's step back and rewind (laughs) and, and make it clean it up, right? Make it better. The other one I talk about is extreme empathy, where, um, how do we give ourselves empathy 
for how we're struggling and how do we extend that empathy to your partner? Yes. Right. That is, I personally feel, and this is just my, my own, um, view. I find I can do that retroactively. I have a harder time doing it in the moment, right? Mm. I'll be, I'll be hard on myself or I'll be hard on my partner. And then afterwards I'll be able to go, wait a minute. Yeah. Sunday, you're doing the best you can, or he's doing the best he can, that sort of thing. So for me, and I, I'm just, I'm not that um, evolved yet. <laughs> that, it's you know, hard, my, right. When, yeah. when we're in the middle of the, in the middle of it. Yeah. Yep. So for me, for me, my step one, one to just try to practice extreme empathy for, I personally noticed I'll do it better retroactively than in the moment. Yeah. Um, there are, and the other thing it ties back with the way I look at it is I say extreme self-care. So that's the third element where I can do that much better when I'm taking care of myself. Yes. Right. When I'm, um, when I am well-fed, yeah. <laughs> well-caffeinated, I've run, you know, I'm like a dog that, you know, a horse that needs to be run once a day. Um, though, th- then I can show up, show up better. There's, yeah. um, you know, you and I were talking about an article from uh, Marie Murphy, and she talks about, she says, during this time, your focus is on your relationship with yourself, not on your relationship with your person, which I thought was a really interesting um, approach. What do you think about that? That should we be focusing on the relationship with ourself before we focus on the relationship with our significant other? It's the basic one, right? It, it is like the basic one because if we're not um, not feeling okay with ourselves, like reasonably taken care of, we're going to like all of our needs are going to bleed into other relationships and we're going to want other people to satisfy our needs, right? Right, um, right. And, and, and I think it's a basic one. Um, yeah. And um, it's not just about bubble baths and, and, and it's just like really... Um, what do I really need? Sometimes it's mm-hmm. not the bubble bath, right? Sometimes it's right. something else. Um, yeah. Well, you even said, you said when, when you're in conflict, you close up, right? Yeah. So ju- that is, that shows that you have a, a high level of self-awareness in the relationship with yourself. And I guess I would expect that from a psychologist, right? Well. Um, you know, but we all, we're also human, right? So yeah. um so that's what I find really interesting. This could be an opportunity for people to start to notice patterns at not your partner, but you and how you show up. Yeah. How, you know, I was reading something, I think it was from Esther Peril. She's, I'm a big fan of her work right now. She, we mentioned it on episode 161. The book is called Mating in Captivity. And she's written a lot of other interesting things, but she talks about how it takes two to create a pattern and one to break it. Yeah. So it's like, I don't, who do I have control over? I have control over myself. Yeah, exactly. So if you're not an, you know, a hungry growth oriented psychologist or coach, like we are, <laughs> yeah. how do, how do regular folks, um, how do they start to see themselves in these patterns? Like what strategies or how do we begin? Yeah, I, I really like a model that I think, I think people are going to find useful. 
um, about our our needs in relationships. So we can look at how we're doing in terms of ourselves, and and also we can look at our partners, right? And see like how am I helping them, or how am I giving them some of some of this? Like because if if we fulfill those needs, we will we feel loved. Mm-hmm. And we we feel in love in general. So I think I think they're really really important, and it gives you kind of a structure to think about how to look at your self care, right? Okay. Um, Everybody, get your pen and paper open because I think this is going to be important. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's good, right? It's a uh, eight. There are eight. One is security. How safe do you feel in this relationship, right? How how safe do you feel that you're not going to be shamed or did, you're not going to be uh, you're not going to have to hide parts of yourself. Uh, and also, how are you doing that to your partner, right? How are you um, creating a safe space? How are you not shaming and not judging um, the other, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is validation of your, can you feel sad? Can you feel everything that you, you need to feel with this person, Um uh, and and can you do that for that person too, or do you have do you need that person to be happy all the time for you, or do you need that person to be uh, whatever for you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, That's a big one. That's a is. big one. I think. Yep, it really is. Um, the third one is acceptance of uh, by another person who is uh, better than you at the, at something. Right. So if, mm-hmm. if um, thinking in a, in a couple's like one is better, I don't know, at, at cooking or at, at, uh, with the kids or whatever, whatever, uh, yeah, that one is better, is important for the one who doesn't feel so good to be accepted. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're in mm-hmm. each of those positions, how are you accepting or are you criticizing the other because he doesn't know how to do this or that? Oh, I love that. That's right? a good one. That's an easy one that could slide under the radar. It's yeah. a great example. Yeah. Right. Uh, so the fourth one is confirming the the, the experience of, of the other. Like, do you know what it's like to be the person mm-hmm. who's financially responsible right now and is on lockdown and not, not sure what's going to happen with their jobs? Mm. Or So do you put yourself in the, the other's shoes, right? Do you know what it's mm-hmm. like to be the person who has to give up everything and uh, do the cooking, the cleaning, the homeschooling, the this and that, and not think mm-hmm. about herself or himself right now, not to be stereotypical about it, right? And right. so really like sharing the experience, like feel really understood from a, from a, like, do you, do you know what it's like to be me right now? Right. Right. And I feel like we're constantly so motivated to be understood. We forget that maybe starting to understand the other person yeah. is a great start. Cause if I do that for you, um, maybe, maybe naturally you don't want to do that for me. There's so many, and I'm just being really frank here. There are so yes. many times I've been married for 20 years, right? I had my 20th anniversary on Saturday, um, legally or civil, we call it our civil marriage. Everybody's like, so it wasn't civil <laughs> after that. Um, <laughs> we had our civil ceremony and then later we got, you know, the wedding later in another country. But um, we, you know, there's so many times in my relationship that I've wanted something for my partner and I'm not even giving it myself. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oops. <laughs> yeah, but you're so, super self-aware, but usually that happens a lot in relationships, right? 
Yeah. If we look yeah. at them, if we really look at what we're asking the other. Mm-hmm. I just feel so much easier to point your finger at the other person. Like, yeah. you you don't and <laughs> you should, right? It feels so yeah. much easier, but it's not really the right way. <laughs> yeah. And then and, and when you do that to, for the other person, you lower the pressure and the defense in the relationship, yeah. right? And then yeah. there's much more availability to get what you need and to kind of breathe again and be together again. So we've done four so far, security, validation, acceptance, and confirming the experience. Those are really important. Even if we did one of those things more, I think we would have huge results. But there's four more, which gives us even more tools to reach for. What's number five? So number five is um, self-definition. We need to define ourselves, even in a relationship, to feel separate somehow. So we we all have that need. And and it's... um, when we say no, when we don't want something, when we need some space, when, you know, those kinds of things are just as need to feel like a, 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 an individual, even when you're in a relationship, especially like 20 years relationships where you're so mm-hmm. enmeshed in the relationship, right? But there is mm-hmm. that need as well to feel different and to disagree and to, and to be okay, still feel safe in the relationship, even disagreeing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so make great. space for that and make sure you you, you also uh, feel like you can do it and, and do it and you're say no when you have to say no put down some boundaries mm-hmm. uh, in so that you feel that you can self-define in the relationship number very good number six is to make an impact and we need to see that the other person is moved or shift or shifts because of us or does something because for you uh, and we cause something on the other. We cause some mm. kind of emotion. Can you give me an example? Yes. Um, um, when when you tell a story, the basic one, when you tell a story to your partner and the partner gets moved or cries or is there with you or gets some kind of emotional, even if they get angry for you, you feel like you're mm. you're alive and you're impacting someone who's alive and responding to you, right? And right, it's, um, right. Uh, sometimes we forget to to give that to our partners if we're a long time couple because it's like mm-hmm. yeah yeah we're going to be talked about this and uh, we have the kids and da 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 and we forget mm-hmm. to really get, get impacted or stop what you're doing right now because and go do something with the other person and mm-hmm. make them feel priority at that point. Mm-hmm. Makes me think of um, an article I recently read. I th- think, let me think it's called, I think it's a Gottman Institute. They talk about these strategies of whether you're turning toward or turn away. Hmm. Like you, you have a bid for attention. It's like, Hey, what do you think of this new shirt? Right? Like whatever. And that's actually a bid for attention. And you know, your choice is, um, it looks fine or, or whatever choices you have, but dismissing that it's not really about the new shirt. It's, Hey, I want your attention. Right. Um, and we do that for our kids, Mm -hmm. right? We do that. We Mm -hmm. we usually recognize that on kids and we we kind of give them the attention and give them the, yeah, they just need attention, but I'm going to give them the attention. Um, Mm -hmm. because it's like growing up and recognizing importance, but we continue to need that as adults. Right. Right. So this is, I'm, I'm going to put the, the link in the show notes. It's from the Gottman Institute and it says turn towards instead of away. It's a small, small, small gesture and mm. people can miss the signs if they're not aware yeah. of it. So I think impact is really connected to that. 
Yeah, I agree. Good. That's wonderful. What is number seven? Number seven is to have the other person initiate something. And mm-hmm. and I, here I want to touch some like a hot topics, uh, including sex, right? So are you mm-hmm. just like waiting for the other, the other the other one to initiate? Do you initiate? Mm-hmm. Do you do you initiate uh, talking? Do you initiate any kind of contact, or is the other one? What is the pattern between the two of you that you can slightly change and initiate yourself, or mm-hmm. let the mm-hmm. other initiate, right? Right, because initiating is a sign that it matters to you yeah. and you want to do it, right? Yeah. Not just, okay, fine, I'll go along if if you start, but it, it, you also want that. But here's the problem. Here's, um, right. there was this movie, okay, <laughs> this is the ongoing joke that I have with my husband. There's this movie, it, Jennifer Aniston and this other guy, I can't remember his name, but in the movie, they have this fight in the kitchen and it's about the dishes. And, you know, she's like, you never do the dishes. And he's like, well, if you want me to do the dishes, you should ask. And she says, I want you to want. And we, my husband just died. He was like, what is that about women? Like, I want you to want, like, I can't just ask, you know, like, and, 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 and he has a point, like, how frustrating is that? So where's the boundary between initiating and truly want something, right? I just think it's a messy one. It, it, I think it is a messy one. It's just like, I think having that on your mind from time to time, that mm-hmm. the other person may need you to, they, they just want you to show that interest. Right. right? It's like appreciation. It's a form yes. of appreciation. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it's saying, I appreciate you so much. I know that you would appreciate this. So I'm going to initiate it because I care about what's important to you. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good. That's why there's all those memes. Did you see that meme series where it's like, like almost like a a calendar, like a sexy calendar for women of of men. I know it's heterosexist and it's, there are also (laughs) other ways of being in relationship, but this calendar was for women of men. And it was actually not like firefighters without their t-shirt. It was like men vacuuming. Have you seen this? Have you seen these memes (laughs) online? I haven't. It was like men doing housework, you know, and I think what that, what the, the, the idea of this series was actually what would really turn me on is you participating more with yeah. sharing the workload. I think that's what, what it was saying. Without me asking. <laughs> Sorry. <right? laughs> exactly. 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 Yeah. All right. I, that's an interesting one. Yeah. And I, I don't think it, it, it kind of uh, diminishes the importance of us communicating and asking when we need and what what we, we want, right? Um, mm-hmm. But just remembering to do something before people ask is also nice right. and helps a lot. And the last okay. one, the eighth one, mm-hmm. is another interesting one, I think, um, to the our need to express love, gratitude, and appreciation. But I'm talking about expressing it, not getting it, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and I wanted to like the, the point, the attention here to, are we listening to when people express their love, like your partner expressed love, gratitude mm-hmm. and appreciation, mm-hmm. or are we just like selectively listening to when they don't? And, mm-hmm. um, uh, because, because it's so, uh, it's so shaming when you're trying to say, uh, I think you're great. I think you did it really well. I love this. I love you or I love the whatever you did. 
and you don't listen to it and dismiss it. Oh, it's that's that's like this idea I was saying before from the Gottman Institute. It's turning away, yeah, and it's so painful. It makes yeah. me think of um, the five love languages from Gary Chapman. Yeah, how um, of course you know in my relationship we have opposite love languages. <laughs> like that's nuts um and they say actually you need to you need to speak your partner's love language rather than your own default yeah um and I know and if if I look at my husband and his family they're just amazing amazing acts of service like that Mm. is their love language and they're they just are overwhelming with it and my family's love language is an acts of service so it it's it was a process of like seeing that as an expression of appreciation and gratitude and love, right? When it was not the love language I grew up with. It's like, you know, learning Italian um, as a child and then all of a sudden Japanese, you don't understand Japanese. Yeah. Yeah, But learning it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Totally. And then to give it, I think to give it in their language, to express it in their language. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had this situation where um this is I'm probably revealing way too much right now. <laughs> My husband would be like, oh God. Um, but there was a situation where we were we were in Pretoria and something was on our radar about the school. And he said, Sonny, did you sign up for that? And I said, Yeah, I've done it. It's already done. He's like, Oh. <laughs> I was like, because I'd already taken care of that. It was like the sexiest thing, you know, because I, I had taken care of it, you know, the act of service. And I, my, my default is an acts of service. Um, so I, that was one small gesture of appreciation, you know, wow, these are so good. I honestly think Renata, I think you just saved a couple marriages with these eight strategies. So. <laughs> so we've, you've got eight, right? You've got eight yeah. strategies. It's a lot. There's so much there, especially for people who've been in a relationship for a long time. Where should we start? Um, do you know, I think a, a very practical thing to do is to, um, and this is Brené Brown's, I think, um, it's to move to the same side of the table mm-hmm. instead of opposite sides and look at the problem together, look at the fight mm-hmm. together, and then see what is it that is being needed here? What, what is it? Is that security validation? Is it impact? What, what are we missing? Then you can mm-hmm. go through the A and see where you're going to start because I think it's going to be very different from each of us. Uh, mm-hmm. for each of us right what we what we need and what what's happening but we need to look at things together from the same side and the problem is the adversary to defeat not the your partner mm-hmm. right right wow that's wonderful I I know we could talk forever um, about this yeah. but this is already so much rich um, insight that I think let's leave our listeners with that so they can take action on it. Um, tell us more about you. I know that you're working with people to help them, um, focus back on their career, even if it's in this uncertainty. Can you tell us more about this recent thing that you're doing called sanity camp? Yes. I, um, I called it sanity camp because it's a mix, right? It's a, it's, um, uh, part of it is working on, uh, keeping sane and, and, um, 
organizing or doing what you need to do what's bothering and challenging right now. That could be your couples or your, your relationship uh, as a couple. It could be the homeschooling, could be the organizing, the, the household or whatever is going on in this pandemic time. And keep, like opening some space, on the other hand, to do what you like or to feel, you know, to, to advance in your career or your plans to feel proud of what you do again and to, to, to really um, have your own project, uh, yep. not just the project of the family. So to have those right. two things going on, like it's, it's kind of a more emergency one and at the mm-hmm. same time, a more future oriented one so that you, you keep excited about your life. Right. Because eventually we'll get on the other side of this. Right. Yeah. And I think you and I share that, you know, you know, my motto is how can we make this the best, worst thing that ever happened to us? Like imagine if you partner with individuals and they keep their urgencies under control and they make progress on their career or their career pivot. Like that's amazing. I'm so grateful that you're doing that. Yeah. I'm, I'm really having fun with it. Yeah, that's wonderful. So I'm going to put that in the show notes. I'll make sure that they have access to how they can get a hold of you more on Sanity Camp. um, So if they want to know more, where can we find you um, if they're interested in learning more? So I'm I'm gonna leave you my website as well as www.renata-andrade.com, and I have a Facebook group too. um, And I'll leave you that on the for your comments so that they can click and get in there. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, it's called expat career happiness. Wonderful. So this is just a taste of all of Renata's brilliance and how she can serve people. I'm so grateful we did this today. This is relevant, not just for during the pandemic for any time that we are feeling pressure of a transition or just regular life. Um, so thank you so much for what you've offered to our listeners today in expat happy hour. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. So there you have it. Um, What a treat to have a psychologist on Expat Happy Hour to share the depth of what we can be looking at when it comes to our relationship. I don't know about you, but when I was listening to those eight things, it kind of gives you a sense of control in this out of control energy of, wait a minute, here are eight things we could look at. We don't have to look at all of them. What if we just looked at one? and nurtured that. That's that's wonderful, wonderful outcome. I wasn't even anticipating from today's session. So there you have it, our uh, second part of this two-part series on love on lockdown. We started part one with looking at people who are uh, unexpectedly uh, leading long-distance relationships or banking on a much longer separation than they planned. So if you missed that, go back to our episode 174 to get that as well as episode 161, which focuses on long distance survival strategies. This episode looked at what happens when we put our relationships in a pressure cooker with no space. If you have applied to Expat Coach Coalition, this is the week it's starting. So if you haven't heard back from me or you need to get back to me, now is the time because we are going to dive in to a four-month program on how you can help expats um, during their own transitions. You've been listening to Expat Happy Hour with Sunday Bean. Thank you for listening. 
I will leave you with this anonymous quote. The best relationship is when you can act like lovers and best friends at the same time.